Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Welcome, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. Gradually getting over my cold just in time to get the coronavirus, no doubt. But uh, you don't want to go into the coronavirus season with a cold, I understand. So that's the good news. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, I guess. Scary so. stuff. It's it any... scary stuff. And there's uh, and first all, case all, of all, all this talk about, you know, most people just get flu symptoms and, and they'll they'll get through it and it'll, and it'll be fine. It's all great. Except for what they never mention is how terrified the people will be while they have the flu symptoms. That's going to be a rugged time for even the people who, you know, see it through. You know, you start feeling sick. Sick, what are you going to start thinking, really? Anyway, so yeah. the, the, the psychology of it all... The the, 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 um, the whole societal thing of how people responding to this threat is uh, uh, interesting in its own right. I wonder what's going to happen to uh, mass events like Oilers hockey games. And uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I don't think the playoffs, like I was debating with my old editor, Murdoch Davis, about this on Twitter. And he was suggesting he thinks the NHL might cancel. Um, the playoffs has happened in 1918, I believe. With the 1919, the year Joe Hall got the Spanish flu and died. Montreal Canadiens <sighs> forward. So, yeah, there. I mean, there's a whole aspect of players getting sick with coronavirus. I mean, they're out and about more than most people. And then there's the aspect of will, will they cancel games or, or will they just have nobody show up like they're doing now in Italy soccer, with professional right? Syria professional soccer games. And mm -hmm. I could see that where you have professional where the Stanley Cup playoffs will be performed for a TV audience, but no live crowd, which would be a interesting. TV audience that'll be hungering for the action, so they'd be very reluctant to cancel the games, I would think. But what? Oh, there'd be huge viewership. Yeah. And I, I, I disagreed with Murdoch. I don't think mm -hmm. that these games will be canceled. I think they'll play, unless the players themselves start getting really sick and, and are unable to play. So I think we'll see uh, playoff hockey this year. So, Bruce, we saw... <laughs> It's bound to happen, eh? You start to play this many games in a row. I mean, got, come on, against Dallas, they they were out chance sixteen to three in regulation time on great chances. They they should have lost that one, and they did lose this one. And they had the Edmonton Oilers had no oomph at all uh, until the right at the end of the game in their four three loss to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, it was just an endless, as as you were mentioning, what were you noticing in terms of Odd man chances that oh, game against the others. It seemed like a hundred of them. I mean, I'm sure it was <laughs> yeah. only like ten or fifteen, <laughs> only. <laughs> yeah. but only there was ten. Or as, uh, as, uh, <laughs> there was at least ten. There was at least yeah. ten, and that's yeah. a lot every, for an every NHL. time the Oilers turned the puck over, the Hawks would be pouring back three on two, two on one, one on zero happened more than once. And it wasn't really till the third period, and obviously just a little bit too late that Edmonton sort of woke up and uh, and uh, got the plot and got into the game and uh, made things interesting, but uh, the hole was just that little bit too deep, and uh, Corey Crawford was just that little bit too good, at least too much better than Edmonton's goalie, I would say, in this game, and, and uh, they just couldn't quite manage that tying goal. It came close a couple times. That chase on tip with 30 seconds left, man, that was uh, that was a real good chance. Alrighty, uh, let's get at it. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast, and we're going to kind of rip through it tonight. 
the Oilers kind of mailed it in, and and I actually want to. I got to go watch Big Brother because my wife's cousin Min Lee is on Big Brother as one oh, yeah? of the contestants. Yeah, <laughs> she's a she's a really interesting character. She's a stewardess, and uh-huh. uh, she was facing elimination on the first night, but she won the strength competition, where they had to use a some kind of like a rope to hold up a car, mm-hmm. and she beat two husky young men. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Anyway, I got to go see uh, Min, Min Lee, eh? Min Lee, yeah. She okay. is from Montreal, Quebec. She's a stewardess. Mm. All righty. Um, Bruce, what is your good thing? Oh, well, I'm going to go to a specific play uh, by a player that is going to get his share of grief, I'm sure, out there tonight and has been getting it on a nightly basis for a long time. Um, Darnell Nurse. Ever since he got into his contract negotiations, it seems like everybody and his dog is seeing all the flaws in his game, of which there are many. There is no argument. <laughs> yes. There are also plenty of good things in his game, of which many just don't seem to get noticed uh, often we enough. No- and what, we notice one, them. One good thing is, well, I try and notice both things, you know, and, and tonight there was plenty to notice on both sides. But uh, he made on the first Edmonton goal, it never, never would have happened without a, a strong play by uh, Darnell along the sidewall, uh, high in the uh, Chicago zone, after the first Edmonton uh, attack had been, uh, looked like they'd been shut down in the corner and the puck was going out and Darnell made a, a real hustling play to, to get to the puck, uh, to win the puck battle and then sift it back along the boards back into Nugent Hopkins where he and Dreisaitl were able to finish the job with a give-and-go play down low. But it was just that little bit of that they didn't have enough of in this game, especially in that second period. Like in the second period, that play stood out like a searchlight compared to how the Oilers played for most of the second period, which they've had bad second periods. It seems like every game this week there, they struggled in the middle frame. But uh, that play was... uh, at least got them back in the game temporarily. Unfortunately, they they then gave up the the three goal deficit for a second time, and that's the one that proved insurmountable. But uh, uh, that play was sort of the first inkling that Edmonton maybe had some pushback somewhere in there, and eventually they did find it and at least make a game out of it. Yeah, the NHL has such parity. Eh? Like if you're just, it's like the NFL has been for I think for quite a while. Like it, it's the the hungriest team, you know, often wins the game, and 100%. you can't mail it in. And it's just really, uh, it's just a really tough league to win in. I don't think it's ever been tougher since I've started watching the NHL to to get a win. You just got to work yeah. like crazy, get some bounces and some great plays, and there's no easy recipe. Uh, my bad bad thing was. Did Mike. you say your good thing? Oh, sorry. I was just wanted to get to this so much. <laughs> <laughs> My good thing was their brief comeback in the third period. I mean, mm-hmm. that was really exciting hockey. I, all of a sudden, I thought they were going to tie it. Yeah. And Caleb Jones came so close, Bruce. That mm-hmm. beautiful feed from Drysaddle from behind the net to Jones in the slot yeah. with uh, 6.17 to go which mm-hmm. I can tell you with exactitude because I have my scoring chance document before me. Um, Jones was so close to scoring and uh, that would have tied it up. That would have been fantastic. Uh, but it started off with kind of a bad line change botched goal for the Oilers. Did you want to say something here about Jones? Oh, no, I was just going to say on your scoring chance document, might want to change the A's to F's because that was definitely an Edmonton chance that Jones got from a great cycle from all five guys on the ice. 
Uh, anyway, uh, that was a uh, uh, that was the time, and Corey Crawford came up with that save as well. And, and they just uh, by the time they amped it up, they uh, they needed some finish, and they couldn't quite get it. Yeah, it started off uh, kind of a weird goal. They, they came out of nowhere. Just a misplay by Chicago that led to uh, mm-hmm. Cassian and Archibald breaking in, and a very nice pass and finish. Mm-hmm. And then the dynamite line came alive and created both a goal, which of course the Oilers got screwed on, right? Because yeah. obviously a goal. The second it was shot, did yeah, you, I thought it was. I'm in. guessing your wife said that's a goal, and you said I, yes. Yeah, yeah, we both said we <laughs> thought it was in. And, and then, of course, they let the play go on, and there's some kind of boneheaded... Like, the orders are so discombobulated, they take a too many men on the ice penalty. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the game clock gets put back to the time of the goal, but they still count the stupid penalty. Mm-hmm. So, but nonetheless, I mean, the orders were just killing... They were so alive after that. Even on the penalty kill, they came close to scoring. They, they just... They were swarming Chicago. They swarmed them for the next little while, and Jones came close to scoring, but not to be. And uh, they had dug too big a hole early in the game. Your bad thing, Bruce. Yeah, I don't do this very often, but I'm going to single out Connor McDavid for having a very low-impact game. Uh, Oilers really needed McDavid to step up at some point in this game. You know what? He just never did. Uh, he he was in on just one uh, grade-A scoring chance where he took this this backhanded shot from uh, uh, after being set up by Drysdale. It was one of these uh, shifts that they put him together, I think, after the penalty kill must have been. And Leon set him up, and McDavid did get a good backhand drive. But that was it. And, you know, the play, when he was out there, Chicago just dominated. And it didn't matter whether they changed line mates as they did in the third period or not. I mean, while McDavid was on the, on the ice, shots on net were four for Edmonton, 16 for Chicago. Goals were zero for Edmonton, two for Chicago. So, you know, I mean, that's the difference in the game. And this was just a game. And when... Late in the game, and also on that one power play Edmonton had, when they really needed a zone entry, which is McDavid's absolute specialty, it just wasn't there. Like, he wasn't bringing the puck up. It, he wasn't didn't have his, his skating legs when he tried to beat somebody one-on-one. It wasn't happening. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he was, he, he was terrible. He made one really good defensive play to, to, to clean up one fire in front of Edmonton's net. Just that, you know, he's this big offensive star, and in a high-scoring game against a high-scoring team, uh, you know, in games that guys like uh, Patrick, Ta- uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves are scoring goals for Chicago, Edmonton needs their big guys to respond. And I just thought Connor and his new and, dare I say, hopefully temporary line mate, James Neal, they just did not have it going on. James Neal, the shots while he was on the ice, 3-4-15 against, so much the same. And they switched out the other winger, but uh, Neil stayed there, and he just didn't really have much going on either. So that's uh, that's part of the problem, I'm sure. But I just didn't see McDavid as being on his game in really any way, shape, or form. Like it's hard to think of a nifty move or a particularly dangerous pass or anything. And and his his stats from across the board on uh, on natural stat trick. Uh, you know, scoring chances 7 to 14 when he's on the ice. Grade A chances, well, high danger chances, I call them, 3 to 8. Like, Edmonton was just the second best team while their best player was on the ice. So, it just let's just call it an off night, but let's call it what it is. It was an off night for number 97. Yeah, it makes me wonder 
like, so they picked up Ennis and Athanasiu, right, to be his wingers. Mm-hmm. Um, Athanasiu struggled, um, although he, he had a few moments tonight. He went off the crossbar. He's better. Yeah. Um, Ennis has been looked look good. Looks like he might be able to play there. They got I think they got to go back to Cassian um, eventually here, who's had such success with McDavid, and um, and then fill in or you know go back to Cassian and figure it out from there. You know the, he needs a shooter like you know I guess Drysaddle when he was with McDavid he was well I mean he's like Leon Drysaddle when he's mm-hmm. with McDavid so he's just a fantastic hockey player. Mm-hmm. But I just I, I would, I'm hoping, Bruce, that they don't have to break up the dynamite line. Um, you know, like uh, Yamamoto and, and Drysaddle work very, very well together, but Nuge is just thriving mm-hmm. with those guys. But yeah. they might have to move Nuge to McDavid and Cassian, which isn't exactly a demotion. It's an interesting change, but that dynamite line has such incredible chemistry. Yeah. And it's a different chemistry than with McDavid because all three of those guys are pass first players, right? Yamo, Drysaddle, and Nugent Hopkins. McDavid isn't. Like he he does pass the puck a lot, but he's carried right. the puck first. So um, you know, Nugent Hopkins had good chemistry with him one year, uh, but not mm-hmm. last year. It was the year before, right at the end. Him and Raddy, I think, had a good run of games with uh, McDavid. Right. But yeah. last year didn't really work out that well. Mm-hmm. And I, I just hate to break up a line which has oh. such fantastic passing ability, chemistry, the ability to score goals. And then you can put McDavid out there. He's just, they've just got to find a way. Like, put Cassian back there. I think it's time. And um, see who can fit on that other wing. Maybe it could be Neil once he gets his legs back a bit, Bruce. Or maybe it will be a fantasy, oh. or maybe it's going to be Annis. What's your take on that? Well, tonight whole... they tried all three of those guys. Neil was on the, on the one wing all night, and they they started with Ennis, and then they switched Athanasiu in in the third period uh, to play with McDavid. But whatever the combination was, uh, they weren't able to generate a whole lot, and it was um, uh, and they were on the defense. It was like Chicago swarmed them, and Chicago was winning the battles. You know, they they played with more more uh, urgency and they executed better um it was uh it was a tough night for that uh for that line uh for four players really but i mean whoever was on the wing uh mcdavid neil um combo uh was uh not generating much and they were giving up quite a lot and yeah that's uh, not a comfortable sight for Oilers fans so We'll just call it a one-night thing. I'm just saying it has to be duly noted that uh, uh, well, this was one game that uh, it didn't work well. I'm saying that since McDavid's come back, he had, mm-hmm. and we've seen one really good game, the first game with Athanasiu and Ennis, but it looked like a line. Mm-hmm. But other than that, we've seen Ennis fit in with him. So I guess I like what I'd like to see. I'm guess what I'm saying is Ennis and Cassian see how that goes because right. those both, both both those players have looked good with McDavid. Try that. Mm-hmm. I'll shut up. Well, there was that. finally a Cassian sighting in the third period tonight. I haven't been too impressed with what I've seen <laughs> from Cassian since his return from suspension, to be honest. But tonight in the third period, he, he was uh, uh, becoming a, a factor. He made a really nice pass to uh, Archibald on the 4-2. And he just seemed to be a little more involved and engaged. 
uh, in the game. He just seemed out of sorts. I don't know. And, and uh, he's got to turn that around. And uh, maybe it's maybe it's a time of uh, of uh, unleash him with McDavid again and see if they can uh, reignite the uh, the fire they had going on for uh, much of 2019. Yeah, the key with Cassian with McDavid, they also had Drysaddle on the line much of that time. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they had another player who was really adept at creating with the puck. But I think Annis is pretty good with the puck. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe that's going to work. Maybe that could work. Bruce, my bad thing is Mike Smith. <clears throat> it's been good for a long time. Wasn't good tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, I only gave him uh, a mistake on one of the goals against in our rating system. Mm-hmm. That was the second goal where uh, the wraparound goal where he just got way out of position. Oh, yeah. He and, wasn't even in the uh, blue paint. The other guy was tapping him was from an inch way, he just, the post. He lost his, yeah, he lost his balance. <laughs> but there was a couple other goals uh, where he was screened, where, you, where you're hoping the goalie could work through the screen and make that save. And I don't know. Uh, Either one of those you could give him, you could make, you know, graded him as, you know, he missed the shot. Especially the one where he was looking the wrong way around the player, Nurse, and the other guy. That might have been a B shot. I don't know. You'll, you'll, you, you'll go over that and, and oh, give well. me your take on it. But um, it, Debris, it, it, Debris there was a screen by the, there was a screen. So we usually credit the screener right. now. Mm-hmm. We've kind of settled on giving credit to the guy who screens because if it's an oiler, we always give credit. Now we're trying to, when the other team does it, we try to give them credit and call it an A chance as well. But he was really looking the wrong way. He he gassed. He looked the wrong way, and they put it in the other side. The mm-hmm. the, the shooter did. Was the, the, was Debrinket right? That was yeah. Debrinket scored both the three nothing and four one goals. Both of them yeah. seeming backbreakers, and the second one wound up being the difference. Uh, but the first one was a floater from range, and I guess Smith just never saw it. And it's still like it's. I'm surprised it found a hole. Like if you don't see it, you got a close-up shot, and that one's got through him. The second one was a great shot by Debrinket. So you know you got to credit that. Uh, but the yes. first one was like I bet you he was 40 feet out, and there wasn't a whole lot on it. And they just sort of sifted it into the hole, um, and. Same kind of goal you were crediting McDavid for last game. You know, the good shot into, into traffic that nobody sees. And yes. maybe it's one of those, but, it, you know, it, it certainly did find a hole in uh, the back of the net. And the yeah. orders, I mean, Smith Jim, made some saves because he, he was left hung out to dry on a lot of these odd man rushes, right? But the Oilers needed stellar net mining tonight, and they did not get that. Yeah, he had a the the Blackhawks had like eighteen, I think it's eighteen or seventeen or eighteen grade A chances, seventeen grade A chances to ten for the Oilers. They really took it to the Oilers tonight. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce, your number? Oh, uh, that yeah, that was your bad thing. My number is I'm going to go back to this thing, faceoffs. Oilers as a team tonight, 19 face-off wins, 28 face-off losses, 40%. And it wasn't just that they were getting beat on the circle, but they were getting beat so bad in the defensive zone that every time they lost a face-off in the defensive zone, it seemed like Chicago had a wicked shot on net within about two seconds after the draw. Now, that's something I am going to revisit when I review the scoring chances tomorrow. But it happened a lot. And that one Chicago power play in the second period... Like every time they'd win the draw, bam, and they get a they get a, a great shot away. And there was not 
tying guys up there you know that was just clean losses to a guy in position to let fly or one quick pass and the guy's letting fly and they they got to get better at that somehow and it's uh, uh it, it was a it was a huge problem especially the first two periods of this game and and uh I mean, there's only 47 face-offs in the game. There was other other issues with this game, but uh, that was one of them. <sighs> yeah. All right, my bad thing was Darnell Nurse at the defense of Van Bruce, and I, I and I Your don't number? know. Maybe you're maybe you're. Yeah, my number is seven. Okay. I'm. I was getting to that, um, <laughs> but it's it's related to Darnell Nurse's mistakes in the defensive end, mm-hmm. and. Um, Seven, he made seven major mistakes on grade A scoring and chances against this game, Bruce. Oh. And that is like extremely, like a defenseman makes two a game. You don't want to see more than two a game from a, even a top four defenseman. Two a game is plenty. And, and, um, you know, if you, if they can limit it to zero or one a game, that's pretty, you, you've really done your job as a defenseman because you're in position to make that kind of mistake. You're just being challenged all game long. Seven, Bruce. Yeah, you've 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 really sucked on defense yeah. that night. And here's what I'm noticing with Nurse in recent games. And maybe this is what you were talking about. This kind of, I guess, confirmation bias, like people worried about his his contract, looking for bad things and seeing bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's I've been doing that because I'm actually I'm I'm kind of sanguine about his his uh, his play because I think he you know, we track Grady scoring chances through the year. And there's a group of defensemen, Larson, Nurse, Bearer, Jones, and Clefbaum. They all basically have the same success this year, the same number. They're all just tightly grouped together. Mm-hmm. So, and, and they have a good number, all of them. They're all really, they, the orders that have five defensemen right now who can play hockey in a mm-hmm. top four role. So this is really, really great news. And Nurse is one of them. So people who say, well, Clefbaum's way better than Nurse or Bear's way better than nurse or so and so like or you know some people will say nurse is way like no i don't buy it i think all of these five guys have played at about the same level this year now nurse and bear have had the tougher competition um so that's something to factor in but tonight and and what i've been seeing in recent weeks is nurses defensive reads have been kind of horrible and, and they're horrible in the sense that there'll be a three on three or a you know, a three-on-three rush, usually. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a complex play. It's not a simple play. There's a complex play developing. Mm-hmm. And his man is the one who's always, there's huge gap between him and his man. He's leaving him open. He's not getting to his man. He's not reading the play, thinking, oh, that's my guy. I got to get on him. And that happened again tonight a couple times. So I don't know. I can't say that I've, I've noticed this a ton before with Nurse. But I think he's in a bit of def- a defensive slump right now where he's not making quick reads and not making the right reads. And he's hanging back for some reason um, and not getting on that guy who's causing trouble. Yeah, well, those 30-minute games will uh, have something to do with that, especially when you're or playing maybe, three eh? games every four days like the orders seem to yeah. be just now. Uh, maybe. But, uh, but also, to my eye, his partner, Ethan Bear, had struggled quite a lot in this game mm-hmm. and one thing i've noticed lately in in bears game that's a little bit of a worry is uh his straight ahead foot speed in foot races back towards his own net against breakaways other guys are faster than him and he's losing those races uh fairly consistently and uh, i mean patrick kane i mean if you lose a foot race to patrick kane that's big trouble 
but I mean, I'm not saying he should be as fast as Patrick Kane. I'm just saying over and over again, I'm noticing going backtracking through the neutral zone, just against the sprinting forward on the other team, he often comes out second best. So skating is just straight ahead skating. Like he's in tight skating. He's really good. But his straight ahead sort of power skating is maybe an area that he uh, uh, could concentrate on a little bit uh, to uh, to up his up just his all around game. And of course, Chicago is a pressure team, and the pressure teams cause those mistakes from defensemen oftentimes. But uh, um, between the two of them, I mean, you, and the type of play you described—sorry, one more thing—and the type of play yeah. you described was a two, this was a two-on-two on the Oilers' power play, the one power play where Oilers got zero oh, shots geez. and Chicago got a clear-cut breakaway, and the breakaway was a t- simple two-on-two with Jonathan Taves coming up the, the side and and Nurse tried to contain him uh, while Nugent Hopkins had uh, uh, Brandon Sad, uh, who was rushing up the middle of the ice. And for some reason, Nugent kind of uh, rotated over to Taves. Nurse stayed with Taves. Sad just headed for the front of the net. And Taves made a good pass that beat both Oilers and found his teammate alone for a 10 bell scoring chance and it was just I don't know if Nuge thought Nurse was switching or should switch or you know the situation called for a switch or whatever but they both wound up getting sucked into the puck carrier and uh, he made them both look bad in a quick hurry mm-hmm. yeah I, I bear skating was I that that issue Bruce I thought when I watched him in the AHL especially mm-hmm. early in his career Bears I thought it was going to keep him out of the NHL like honestly mm-hmm. That that was my assessment at the time. And then suddenly this year he he came out and he's he's been skating well. Now it could just be that he's up against really fast forwards all of a sudden. Like uh, is it Gurianov? Is that the guy from mm-hmm. Dallas? And Kane? Like, these are very fast individuals, and and they make mm-hmm. a lot of defensemen. Like McDavid looks makes defense. So there's are these super fast forwards who are going to make you look bad. Maybe it's as simple as that, or maybe Bear's kind of wearing down and needs to go back. You know, some of the bad ha- maybe weaker habits in terms of his skating because out of fatigue or creeping back in, that's a possibility. I don't know. Played 26 minutes tonight, most on the team. I'd like to see, I think, I think the owners would be better off. um, Put like they have Baron nurse out there killing penalties. I, I, I would insert Benning on uh, for bear on the PK there. I don't think you're going to lose a whole heck of a lot. Benning's a pretty solid player in that situation. I mean, Bear's really good in that situation. But I think Benning's pretty solid. And then have Bear on the power play instead of Nurse until Clefbaum comes back. That's what I'd like to see. But One thing I, one thing about Nurse, he got six points on this road trip. All of a sudden, he's up to 32 points. And he's, you know, he's, well, currently, I mean, he's already into the 30s for the third year in a row. And so somehow, I mean, it's not traditional offense, but it's being around the puck. And having good things happen uh, thereafter, you know, and win uh, a puck and, battle. Yeah, well, that's right. Win a puck battle and get it into the hands of a player like Nugent Hopkins or Drysaddle, like on that one goal. Well, you'll get points if you keep doing that. Yeah, of all the other defensemen, he has the biggest ability to win a puck battle, puck protect, and make a pass, right? Because none of the other ones are very good at puck protection. Bear's really quick with his hands and reading and can find time and space to make a pass. Uh, same with Clefbaum to some extent. But Nurse is the only one who can actually physically puck protect, I think, for any extended period of time. 
and then make a play. And and that comes into handy in the offensive end. And we saw it, I think, in the, in the uh, third Oilers goal, where he was really a force on that goal. He forced that puck down low to dry settle and put it up front. Yeah. So um, a couple points for Leon. Eh? That, that's a... Uh, Two more points wasn't his best game either, but uh, it, it wasn't. But I'm always hoping passes. for. Yeah, as as, as the game got out of hand, 110 on the season now. So it's pretty wild, yeah. As the game got out of hand, I was hoping that he would put up a couple points to uh, add to his MVP claim because that's a big thing in winning the MVP award, obviously. Well, if you want to win the MVP award, win games. It's too bad they couldn't get, generate that tying goal, and then we'd be be able to build a lot stronger case than off of this one. Indeed. All right, Bruce. Let's, uh, let's leave it there. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.